I'm Tommy Salmons. This is Year Zero. Recently, I feel like a prophet uh, when I when I changed the name of the podcast from Stranger Encounters to Year Zero. It's because I really felt like I wanted to focus more on the way that the deep state or the intelligence agencies, the bureaucracy in Washington, the politicians were utilizing their power and their propaganda against the American people to create a sort of revolution. And when I say revolution, I don't mean it in the terms of like a Bolshevik revolution, but I mean it in the shifting of a paradigm from that in which the American people may believe that they have a legitimate stake in their government to the idea that the government is, in fact, a ruling elite, a ruling class, and legitimizing the view, the power that these people wield above the American people. And so I viewed it when you start, I mean, from the, from the get go, from the, from the creation, from the signing of the national security act in the forties to modern day, there's been this slow boil, this, you know, like, like they talk about boiling frogs, this slow turning up of the heat and what it has been it has been a slow revolutionary idea by those who want to hold power. Whether we look at the death of Frank Olson, as we've done, we look at the assassination of John F. Kennedy, we look at um, World War II, we look at Vietnam, we look at the Persian Gulf, we look at all uh, the way that this power has been completely constricted into one single place, this reign of terror through, throughout the world in the name of American sovereignty and hegemony was a, an empirical or a revolution of empire to flip the tables on their heads and to rule over not just the American people, but the entire world. And it's not the way that people typically look at a revolution and revolutionary thought because people typically look at revolutionary thought as an uprising to overthrow a government. But I look at it as a revolution against sovereignty, against liberty, against freedom. 
it's against everything that a libertarian or an anarchist would stand for. And so it's a complete revolt against the ideas that were adopted in at least constructing the idea of, of America, whether or not the Constitution completely embraces that the ideas, there was the idea of a free people, autonomous people governing themselves for the, the betterment of liberty and society in the future. And so that was kind of what I was trying to get a hold of whenever I start, whenever I made that shift from Stranger Encounters to Year Zero. Yet today, I look at Year Zero completely different with the ongoing pandemic and uh, the draconian laws that are being shoved down the throats of the American people. And I look at year zero more as an opportunity for the American people to reset their way of life. And I think that what is happening, the forcing the average everyday people to stay home with their families and to lose their jobs. I think last I heard it was over 17 million people had filed for unemployment and that doesn't count all the people that, you know, work in the gig economy that are not, you know, um, able to gather unemployment. Or people that have just quit looking. And I, I see this as an opportunity, not on a philosophical level, as libertarians and anarchists like to talk. We, we get bogged down in the philosophical and want to talk about Benjamin Tucker and Lysander Spooner and Murray Rothbard and all these names and these people that the average person doesn't really even care about on a regular basis. What they care about is feeding their families and surviving. And so there are aspects here at work that play in the favor of the anarchist point of view. When you look at the way society has been structured, it's been thrust upon us that we are just cogs in a machine whose sole identity relies on our ability to obey and to continue the functions of this machine. And that if you step out, out of bounds, out of line, and you act in a way that directly affects the machine, then you are a criminal. You are um, a burden to society. You are an enemy of the state. 
You are not acting in the best interest of the collective. And for years, I've, I've read libertarians and I've read Rothbard and Mises, Bob Murphy, and a lot of thinkers that I truly, truly, truly have a lot of respect for. And I've come to the conclusion that the most unfortunate aspect of their writing, of their thought, is the collectivist viewpoint that you must all work as one to incorporate liberty. That liberty is a collective effort on the part of everyone to thrust that liberty upon the entire nation, whether through elections or education, to convince the vast majority of people that liberty is right for them. And I've come to the conclusion that this is a losing battle. That given the 15,000 hours of public education and indoctrination, government schooling, that the majority of people are thrust into at an early age. I keep saying the word thrust. I need to find another word. Um, sorry. <laughs> that, that the majority of people are, are subjected to at an early age. That this has significantly, significantly indoctrinated these people to a degree that no matter how smart, no matter how theoretical, no matter how logical your point of view may be, they're, un they're incapable or un unwilling to wrap their minds around it because it completely shatters their preconceived notions. We call it you know, cognitive dissonance in many, many cases, Stockholm syndrome. In many ways, we insult those that cling to their preconceived notions. Those notions that they have been, that have been hammered into their head from the earliest of ages up until the point that their frontal cortex has completely developed in their mid to late 20s. And we expect or act as if we expect a couple of well-researched, well-written books theorizing anarchism to expose and to open up their minds, to set them free and that their, our freedom is dependent upon their freedom. And this collectivist view that we all must be free for one of us to be free. 
tends to be my biggest critique of anarchist writing and libertarian philosophy nowadays. That there has never been a sign, any inkling, that the majority of people are in search of freedom. That the anarchist community is probably at best, what, 2% of the American population? Possibly? Probably? And that people are moving further and closer to a large, centrally planned, engineered society in their mind? Because they think that the engineering and the structure, the designing of a society will function better, will function more machine-like, will be more um, capable of being peaceful, that coercing individuals in their daily lives is the way in, into this system of governance and manipulation to work within these shackles and within this parameter that that is what makes you a good American very similar in aspect to the fascists point of view very similar to Nazism in the in the way that Germany had engineered a society to function as a well-oiled machine and that when you watch you just observe the way people are functioning within the society and when the society when when the system when the when the economy is completely shut down how absolutely fragile the idea of a centrally planned engineered society and economy actually is and I observe this and I'm like we are in year zero we are living year zero this is a preset a reset this is an opportunity to expose what how the people have been trained and corralled into functioning as a cog in the machine and maybe not using these exact terms but showing them that if the government and the corporations, the system in, in which that they are used to functioning, refuses to work for them and to be accessible to them, that they must create their own survival mechanisms, their own mechanisms of 
creating income, of, of taking care of their family. The family that they have now been spending the majority of their time with. A family that they had never taken the time to get to know. And they will be jealous not only of the liberty that they lost due to the government interference in the, the complete shutdown of the economy and the system in which they're used to functioning, the only way of life that they are aware of. They will also be jealous whenever the economy opens back up. They will be jealous of the time they lost with their family. And they will see the relevance and the importance of that time and what they have actually been missing in pursuit of the dreams of the state, the ambitions that the state lays before them for them to pursue. And that this is a perfect time to exploit how the state has manipulated, how the system has manipulated them into becoming just a functioning mechanical part of this entire machine. And that the autonomy, the the self-sufficiency, the need to spend this time with their family and the jealousy, the missing of that time that has occurred due to them pursuing the interests of this system, of this machine, due to their programming through public education, through government schooling, has created a situation where they don't live their lives. They've missed the majority of their lives, as I've missed the majority of my life, sitting in a truck, staring at the gray road ahead of me, destroying relationships, never seeing, not spending the the time with my children that could be cherished and, and enjoyed. Never have my children said to me, I wish you would send us more money. They always say, I wish we got to spend more time together. Yet I'm stuck choosing between the desires of my children desiring more time with me, seeing relationships fragment, and fly apart and the necessity to ensure that I am getting them the the amount of money that the system says I am required to give to them. No autonomy on my part or on their mother's part, no sitting down like adults and discussing how can we best organize our lives for the mental health and the financial well-being of the children? It is only to be a cog in the machine, creating an income for which the children may benefit financially. No 
consideration for the emotional or the psychological damage that may occur due to their father being gone all the time, due to their mother working and going to school or working two jobs or being away from the home. No consideration for any of this. And I hope that as this pandemic comes to an end, that people will begin to examine how much they're missing of their lives, of their children's lives, of actual living, of actual being self-sufficient, of depending on a system that is so fragile that if it were to experience a catastrophic event, it would kill millions and millions of people around the world. Starvation, homelessness, and all these things would take hold. Disease, no comforts, losing your, your sanity and your well-being, your, your sense of self-worth. Because you have become only a part of a machine. You are not a fully functioning, autonomous human being creating for yourself and for your family your own future, your own dreams that you have been manipulated and moved, programmed to be domesticated. And you watch how children are treated and those that refuse domestication, those that refuse to sit still in their desk for eight hours a day and stare straight ahead, taking extremely intense notes of every single word the teacher may say, how they are drugged and demonized. And told that they are never going to be productive members of society. But what does it mean to be productive? Does it mean to produce for yourself and for your family? Or does it mean to produce for the machine? The machine that you were entrapped, that you were stuck in. And I've had these ideas, these thoughts, these feelings ever since I can remember. I remember looking at my parents when I was a kid, my dad working two or three jobs at a time, my mom always gone, and we were eating oatmeal and peanut butter and jelly every night for dinner because we had no money. Well, what were you working for? And the excitement that they felt when I was about 14 years old, my parents bought their first home. <clears throat> and that excitement that they had reached that milestone but why were you stopped from taking the skills? The, the, my dad had been working construction jobs. Why couldn't he take his skills and mix his labor with the land and create his own home? 
Why was it dependent on creating enough value for this system, for this machine, for him to have a home of his own? It never made sense to me. Why now are my parents still pursuing money and and value in their 50s, nearing 60? And they're still changing jobs, pursuing more money. And I don't want to be that way. I never wanted to be that way. I don't want to live that way. And it's not that I don't admire everything my parents have done. They've definitely shown me what hard work can do, but they've shown me how to work hard within the machine that I'm conditioned to work within that has created within me such a sense of just dissatisfaction. Just dissatisfaction. Not having the relationships that I long to have due to my functioning in what is considered beneficial to society, what is approved by the status quo, what everybody else thinks is necessity. And never becoming part of a community or a brotherhood. Having fractured relationships with my, with my kids. For years, when I was younger, I moved out of my parents' house when I was 17. Got my own apartment. Contributed to the machine. And for years, I just did as I was told and obeyed and tread water and I treaded and I treaded and I treaded and it was I was 38 39 years old from the age of 17 working full time to 38 39 years old 20 over 21 years I struggled and struggled and struggled and struggled to produce enough value for the system, for it to reward me with some security. A small padding, a small cushion, so that if I were sick, I may be able to go to a doctor. In that, had I had the opportunity to construct a life from nature, Working within a community that I'd have had much better opportunities, learned and ment- had mentors to study and question in that this system is in part designed to segment the population into classes. You have the impoverished, the 
those without opportunity, those without the education and the mentorship to provide for themselves. Then you have the working class. And this isn't just blue collar, but white collar as well. And then you have the parasitic class, the elites, the rulers, those who sit at the top of the mountain, staring down upon the others, trying to maintain their power through division and derision and control and coerciveness. Moving us around like pawns on a chessboard in order to keep the machine oiled and moving. Ne never letting us get too close to one another in fear that we would develop our own system that would dethrone them and kick them out of power. And so I see this opportunity, this pandemic, as an opportunity to get to know your neighbors, to, to participate within your community, to get to know your family, and to make changes, resets within your life of self-sufficiency, exiting the machine, putting, putting stop to your use as a cog within this machine and creating your own functioning machine that works for your community and your family, that works for you, that, make, that gives you the self-worth of being able to create and maintain a life without dependence on others. And this is available for everyone at this point in time. All of those who have lost their jobs, who are no longer able to support their families, who are begging for unemployment insurance. And it is up to us, those of us that have been awaken to how this society functions and to the enslavement of people to this society and to this machine, to this governmental system. It is up to us to look for those and not philosophically preach to them and, and crack a whip on them to get out and look for autonomy or freedom, but to help them hone their skills, recognize what they have to offer to society outside of the functioning of the machine, how they may utilize the marketplace outside of what is approved by the overlords.
and create autonomy and freedom for them and for ourselves by learning how to become more self-sufficient. And yes, by saying for them and for ourselves, there is a minute amount of collectivist thought there. But that minute amount of collectivist thought comes after you've shored up your own abilities and honed your own skills and developed your own system and your own machine that you were willing to function within and only looking for the opportunity to spread knowledge and wisdom to those that are struggling as you have as you develop your own skills and create an agorist society an individualist society functioning through the marketplace not only of ideas but of products and services that we all may offer to one another outside of the machine and therefore we freeze up its cogs its ability to rule our lives its authority and its legitimacy through action and not philosophy so that's what's been on my mind this week that's part of the reason you are just now getting an episode Another part of the reason you are just not getting an episode is because I've had a very stressful week and I have been a hermit hiding within my own self away from society because I'm just like, I'm just in a mood this week. Um, So next week I will be on vacation. I hope to bring you a couple of interviews next week. I do have a lot of work to do around the house in creating my self-sufficiency and the life I want to live so that I can get out of this truck and stop participating within this machine. Until then, I'm Tommy Salmons. Late.